Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this series, we're examining every single goddamn page of Alien Hunger, a quick start adventure for Vampire the Masquerade, to determine what is the dumbest thing on that page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. If you'd like to play along at home, this is 1991's Alien Hunger, the official PDF release from White Wolf. Tonight we're discussing page 12 of Alien Hunger. This is the second part of a trilogy of pages, and therefore a trilogy of episodes, that introduces us to the world of goth punk Denver. Now last time, you may have noticed that we focused on the mundane side of Denver. And I don't mean mundane as an insult toward Denver, for once. I mean like the mortal side, the non-supernatural side. It's goth, it's punk, no doubt. I think we've put to bed any question about the gritty, macabre mystique of Denver, Colorado. But we haven't really heard anything about the supernatural in Denver, other than the fact that there are occasional werewolf parades through downtown. Today, we're going to get a little bit more mundane detail about Denver, but then we're going to dig in to the parallel undead society of Denver that somehow, somehow remains hidden from the human population. More on that later. But okay, let's wrap up with the mortal side of Denver. And remember, this is goth punk Denver, so I do have to say everything very dramatically, even the names of Colorado newspapers. Quote, the two major newspapers in the metro area are the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News. Smaller local papers abound, with each serving a county, city, community, or special interest group. And this is vital information for vampire player characters. You gotta protect the masquerade, which means you gotta interface with media, and that's not just limited to the big outlets. Imagine destroying the entire worldwide, centuries-old masquerade because your dumb vampire ass got busted by the Denver Senior News. The shame. To blow your cover and be outed as a, a blood-sucking undead immortal on the front page of a free local newspaper. On a newspaper front page that you share with the beginning of an opinion column about how VCRs are spoiling kids nowadays. What a fucking embarrassment. I mean, great for the paper, though. That's a real, that's a real coup. Lends credibility to the rest of the paper. Like, goddamn, did you read the Denver Senior News today? It says today's spoiled, rotten kids can't appreciate going out to a real theater and eating some jujubes and watching a movie on the silver screen. And it also says fucking vampires are real, which it turns out they are. So maybe, maybe we've been underappreciating jujubes. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but the Denver Senior News turns out right about a lot of things. So anyway, that's media. The text goes on to say that there are all these high-tech industries, aerospace especially, the big names are mentioned. But Boulder is also important. Don't forget, that is the Boulder city motto on the billboard when you come to town. Boulder, we're also important. Quote, Boulder, a short drive to the northwest, is a high-tech mecca with recent graduates from the University of Colorado fighting for jobs so they can remain in the city. I have no doubt this is literally true, although probably a bit of a mischaracterization of Boulder, because this is giving real like dog-eat-dog vibes, like only the elite can make their way here. There's no room for weakness in Boulder, Colorado, when, as we know, there's room for literally everything in Colorado. Room is like their main natural resource. And don't take my word for it. I invite you to go to uncovercolorado.com slash what hyphen is hyphen in hyphen boulder hyphen co hyphen to hyphen do. That's what is in Boulder, Colorado to do, which is a much more honest indication of the page's contents than the title that you see. If you go to this page, which is, quote, what is Boulder, Colorado known for? It says, quote, with a population of just over 100,000, Boulder might not be a huge city. (laughs) 
not a cutting edge leader in being huge, but nonetheless, uh, it has an international reputation that far outweighs its size. And it says, quote, if you want to know what's in this epic Colorado city, we're highlighting some of the most important and memorable things about it. And then we get a list of things that make uh, Boulder special. For example, the University of Boulder, where research is done. It says the university is locally loved for sports. So that's exciting. A local sports team appreciated by locals. And rightly so. In 1991, the university's football team was a co-conference champion and voted the 20th best college football team in the country. So no doubt this contributes to Boulder's global renown. Also, there are tech companies. Also, Boulder is frequently listed as one of or even the best place to live in the United States. And why? Quote, with some of the top outdoor recreation and beautiful mountain landscapes in the nation right on its doorstep, it boasts world-renowned restaurants, stellar music venues, and art galleries, as well as walkable public spaces. Also uh, ranked the nation's top sports town by Outside Magazine. Quote, with 300 miles of biking and hiking trails and 45,000 acres of beautiful open space and a vast arresting mountain landscape just west of town. Do you see what I mean? There's so much space in Colorado. And finally, of course, this is where Celestial Seasonings Tea is based. So obviously, a city rife with potential for intense, competitive, claustrophobic, goth punk horror storytelling. If it weren't for the nearby and insurmountable competition of Denver as a location for a gritty horror story, it, the dark tale that is about to unfold could easily take place in Boulder. And, you know, Alien Hunger backs me up on this assessment of uh, Colorado having lots of room, by the way, as much as they want to portray Boulder as this like hotbed of ruthless competition, when what it really is, is a lovely city with lots of walkable space and high property values. The book does acknowledge that there's a lot of room in Denver. Quote, it is still easy to lose sight of civilization in this day and age by merely driving for an hour or two and then walking for another half an hour, which is true. There's a kind of horror you can do here and a kind of storytelling more generally that would benefit from the fact that there is so much impressive, open, relatively wild space right near a major U.S. city. Uh, but that is not the kind of horror storytelling we are going to get, as you're about to see. Quote, but there is a side to Denver unknown to most of the inhabitants. A world where creatures almost but not quite human walk and live. The world of the vampires. Uh, the bad news is you, the listener, will continue not to know about this side of the city for a while yet. Because the player characters are going to find out about it over the course of the story. And I don't want to spoil it here. I mean, I'm vamping a little bit. You may have noticed that, like, there's more uh, Boulder, Colorado sports content than you might have expected in today's episode. It's partly because... I can't really talk very much in detail about the organization of Vampire Society in Denver. The good news is I did think it through. I did read all this material and absorb it. I do have issues with it. The dumbest thing in this page is about the vampire population of, of Denver. And there's a lot of math involved that I, I mean, I hate that I can't share it with you, but I feel like a lot of listeners, you really dodged a bullet today. Like for, for the reason people listen to the show, as distinct from the reason that I compulsively make it, I feel like a lot of you, the spoilers on this page have, are, have really made your day because you're not going to hear all the fucking math I did in the margins of this page. I just have to give you a summary of the dumbest thing and you just have to trust me. So there is a vampire population in Denver. Minor spoilers for this vampire adventure set in Denver. Uh, these vampires, they're, they're not just organized in one big block of vampires. There are factions. There are some fully enfranchised vampires who are part of the local vampire, if not government, then at least like administrative system. Like 
These are people who live in incorporated vampire Denver. But then you've got some other vampires who, metaphorically speaking, have lower vampire taxes, but they live further from vampire downtown and they have to have a vampire propane tank. They're an unincorporated vampire Denver. And we get some information about how these different vampires function, like how they feed, because all vampires need blood, obviously. You know, room is nice, but vampires don't drink room. They don't drink beautiful mountain landscapes. They drink blood, which is in considerably shorter supply. So the vampires in unincorporated Denver are known as independents or indies. They are the vampire underclass. And it says here, quote, each independent or indie lays claim to certain areas inside Denver as their own. They hunt there without fear of intrusion as a matter of courtesy. They repay this courtesy by restraining themselves outside of their territory. Each indie's area is small, often no more than a few blocks or a club or two. They are, without exception, high traffic areas where a missing person or two will be unremarkable. This is where the book, which I, I have accepted its account of goth punk Denver up to this point. This is this is the dumbest thing because this is where the book is trying to front like Denver, Colorado is such an urban hellscape that you can just be a murderer here stress free as long as you don't go parading down Main Street like you're some kind of werewolf. Here's the thing. If each independent vampire has a few blocks or a club or two, and not all the vampires here are independents, obviously, there's a whole other faction, and they hunt exclusively in their domain, more or less, then we have a real vampire population problem because we're going to have hotspots all over the city where murders absolutely are going to be happening in quantities that the fucking Denver PD cannot overlook. Once again, I cannot share the details of the math with you, but I have deduced a close reading of this adventure. There are at least seven indies in undead Denver. At least three of them have domains this small. Now, it says that the vampires have domains where a missing person or two won't be noticed, but there's no reason to assume that these vampires are, you know, abducting or killing everyone they attack. That's not really how it works in Vampire the Masquerade. A lot of vampires hunt humans, but like just like take little sips. An urban population center in the world of darkness is like if you open a box of chocolates and your mischievous child has taken a tiny bite out of every single one. And like everybody in town has been fed on by a vampire at some point, but only like a little bit. Like somebody bumped into you on the street and it's like, oh, my neck, what happened? Like everybody has their, I was making out with a dude and I'm not really sure why I did it. And it got way out of hand in terms of hardcore necking that it's happened to everyone at some point in their life because an urban population center is full of vampires who maintain their immortality by stalking and hunting and victimizing people and then taking just tiny little sips because of the prohibitive moral and practical cost of murdering all the time. If you feed on a victim without killing them, per the rules, you can take up to five blood points. Now, in my home games, I house rule this because five blood points is half of a person's blood. And I'm not a doctor, but my, my cursory research on the internet has indicated that when people lose half their blood volume suddenly, Generally, they're not just like, wow, that was a sexy night. Like, I don't remember it exactly what happened, but it seems like I had a good time because I'm white as chalk and I can't stand up. But per the rules, you're fine as long as you don't take more than half of someone's blood, then they'll be okay. A vampire needs a bare minimum of one blood point per night to function. Like, if you don't even use any vampire powers, you never do anything cool with vampirism. All you do is just survive. You still need one blood per night to keep waking up at sunset so you can go out and hunt some more that means every independent vampire needs to attack like 73 people every year i mean not necessarily 73 unique people but you got to find a balance yeah i mean it sounds like a great idea to attack one person 73 times in a year but at a certain point 
you're raising red flags. This person is like, I am getting I am getting necked with hard and a lot. Something is amiss. This can't be a coincidence. So if it were just the Indies in town, we'd be at over 500 vampire attacks a year in Denver. We can be pretty sure that the other faction of vampires, though, the ones who live in incorporated vampire Denver, it seems like there are at least as many of them as there are Indies. So now we're at over a thousand vampire attacks a year in the city of Denver. We might be hitting an average of three vampire attacks a night year round in Denver. But keep in mind that many of these vampires only have like a couple of city blocks or even one nightclub where they have to do all their hunting. So these attacks are highly concentrated into tiny little hotspots. Like if an indie vampire has their domain as a single nightclub, there's going to be on average multiple vampire attacks a week in that club or on that block. And there are at least three, probably several more individual clubs and like city blocks where this is the case. If we assume there are seven indies in Denver who have domains this size, which would be totally consistent with the math, which I promised I wasn't going to explain, but I lied, then that would mean we have like seven locations, a combination of individual nightclubs or bars and like city blocks with like low income housing or something like that, where in each of these hotspots, the same vampire is attacking on average multiple people every week. And that's assuming that this is non-lethal, but people sometimes do die in vampire attacks. Vampires can frenzy, situations can get out of hand, like you know your dominate doesn't work and so you can't take away their memory and so you have to kill them, or you get interrupted and the situation escalates or you happen to need way more blood and so you just have to kill somebody because it's your only option to survive. But lots and lots of things can happen. As the text indicates, Like you, you have to have a domain where some people can go missing from time to time. If we suppose that one in 20 vampire attacks results in a death, which accounts for the missing persons mentioned in the text. That would be 50 missing persons slash homicides a year in Denver from vampire attacks, with 12 of them being in these like three to seven nightclubs. It it could be there are as few as three nightclubs in Denver that combined account for 12 homicides a year. Uh, For context, there were about 100 homicides in the entire city of Denver in 1991 in real life. So all the human violence in Denver accounts for 100 homicides. Add 50 more from vampire attacks, 12 of which happen in just these three clubs. And you can't ever get the heat off you because you're only allowed to hunt in your assigned absolute shithole of a club. (laughs) Like, it's no wonder that vampires like stereotypically own nightclubs. You would have to get involved with like with marketing. You'd have to get involved with Like, we got to do something to fill this place up if we're operating at like a murder a month and a violent attack every weekend and usually on Thursdays. And I'm talking about big moves you'd have to make. This is not like, let's improve our sound system. Let's remodel. This is like, okay, fuck it. Vodka and Red Bull, $1. We're swinging the doors wide open. College age alcoholics drink free. So come on down. Enjoy our signature drink, the restroom homicide. The, The dumbest thing on this page is simply that the number of vampires combined with the incredibly stupid way that they are forced to sustain themselves by having each vampire feed in the same place every single goddamn night in a city like Denver, which, I mean, at the time, I grant you in real life, was going through kind of a a mass panic about a rise in violence, which was it appears greatly overblown and unfortunately contributed to really negative developments in the treatment of juvenile offenders. But Even the real world shittiness of that situation and the real world overestimate of how violent 
Denver was getting pales next to the massive threat of highly localized vampire violence in this dumbass world of darkness, much in the same way that a Denver club goer uh, pales next to the restroom if they have the misfortune of choosing a table in their favorite club's death zone. Anyway, that covers the urban nightmare of goth punk Denver, Colorado in the world of darkness. But what about outside of the crush of the city? What happens when you roam beyond the city streets and try to outsmart your human blood problem by making all the room in Colorado work for you? What happens? The answer is, of course, cows. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been Mega Dumbcast. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Social media was never healthy and is now dying, so if you want to contact me, you can email me. I am megadumbcast at gmail.com. This season's theme song is Suck City by Black Math, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash black underscore math. Dumbheads, I will catch you next time.